as we continue in worship this morning. We are reminded of uh, many things in life. And one of those things that we need to be reminded of, life is short. You know, uh, believe it or not, uh, Eliana, how old are you again? Six and a half, really about six and three quarters. Some of you like me are going, she's not supposed to be that old. You know, uh, you all remember when she wasn't even a little baby yet. She was just in Alicia, you know, as we came here. And that's how I look at, uh, you know, Colby, you and Cooper and Caden and Jordan. I remember when you were little, girl. You know, and here you are, grown up, you all grown up, you know? And, and, and Colby, you probably remember when you, you could take Daniel easily down there in the nursery, you know? When he was only five years old. You remember those days? Yeah, okay. You, it's okay if you don't, you know? Life is short. You know, and, and we must be reminded of that. Short. And, and, and yet we, we realize that to some extent life is also very long. You know, that, that it can be full. But sometimes we run through life and we forget just how short it is. Kids have a way of reminding us of how quickly life changed and how short life can be. We were at a family gathering uh, yesterday, and it was a good time, and we were trying to talk about a, a mutual organization that many of us know in my family, and, and how long someone had been there, and it was with surprise that I think we realized it was probably close to 15 years. And they were like, well, how's that possible? And all I knew was I had been gone from that area now um, for about 10 years, and that person was there prior to that. So we're looking 12 to 15, how quickly time goes. But not only is that true, but we also know that we do not like to wait. We say patience is a virtue. It's just a virtue we don't like to have. I mean, I, I don't know, any of, any of you shop Amazon? Any of you got a little upset that all of a sudden what was next day is now two days? You know, have you noticed that? I mean, uh, it, it's the case sometimes. We, we do not like to wait. Patience is a virtue, and to be honest, if we look at our world and ourselves, my our chief example right here, we are very patient. We want what we want, and we want it now. And that's kind of been the, the case. If you look into Scripture, you realize the people of God weren't always good at waiting. They weren't always good at waiting for God. And in the Gospels, especially in the Gospel of John, we, we know that uh, part of the issue some of the Jews, including the leaders, had is they wanted Jesus to become the king right then, right now, as they expected him. Let's get rid of these foreigners and the like. We do not like 
to wait. For you kids, does it get ever a little nerve-wracking? Well, my kids, you don't experience this, but they're typically late in their house. If you have presents under the tree like tomorrow, and doesn't it kind of go, ooh, I wonder what that is? Maybe you go shake the box a little bit. Okay, well, maybe about it, you know. You, you kind of wonder, what are we going to get? Now, the older we get, maybe less that is the case, but we still kind of do that, you know. I wonder what, uh, you know, uh, Alicia probably wondered what I'm going to give her uh, each year. And there are some years that I wonder what I'm going to give her until we got Good thing Amazon's still two days at that time. We don't like to wait. Yet Advent reminds us that waiting is important. Waiting is, dare I say, essential. Are we willing to wait? But waiting also means something is coming. We don't wait as if nothing's ever going to happen. We wait with anticipation. We wait because we know something is about to happen. Christmas reminds us that as every time we see a, a present under the tree, we know that if we just wait a little longer, sooner or later, I will see what is in that box. Sooner or later, I will know what is there. But Jesus also knew the importance of waiting. In fact, he prepared his disciples, he's preparing us for this time of waiting. He didn't just go and then tell us some neat things about himself. He prepares us for this time that we live in. And that's why an unusual Christmas passage this morning is Matthew 25. 1 through 13, where Jesus tells a story about waiting. Why would he tell us that? He was here, right? Advent had come, right? He was there. The, the hope of Israel had been seen in him. He, the first Advent, the promised child, was born. But he was telling us about another time, about the kingdom of heaven and what will happen when he comes back. And, and, and here's the unfortunate words about it. He says in the verses prior to this, no one knows that day or that time. Man, don't you wish he would have been a little, I mean, he was specific in many ways, but he wasn't in that one. We are in this advent again. We don't wait for that first birth. We don't wait for that 400 years in between the Old Testament and the New Testament. We have both realized, but we're waiting in, unfortunately, longer than 400 years. For the culmination of what he says at the beginning of Matthew 25, at that time the kingdom of heaven will be life. We're waiting for the kingdom of heaven to be life. But we must wait. But the truth is, Jesus 
is coming again. Jesus is coming again. We are in a, a long season of Advent, not just the four, the four Sundays right prior to Christmas that we put on the church calendar. We are in a season of Advent while we wait again for the truth to be seen. <coughs> the truth that has been promised that Jesus is coming in. He says, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back. Arnold Schwarzenegger was the first one to say that. I know some of you kids are like, what? That was for us adults, okay? He was, Jesus said, I will come back. And I want you to be with me. Now where I am, you will also be. See, and then he kind of says in these parables, so just wait. Jesus, if I could, if I could say something to Jesus, and I do, I said, will you just hurry up? You know, will you just hurry up? And then I'm reminded the prophet Isaiah, who said the words, for unto us a child will be born. He also said, God's ways are not your ways. God's plans are not your plans. His eyes, the highest heights. Are his plans different than ours? And we wait. And we wait. And this is why Jesus told this story the kingdom of God is like ten young maidens who took their lambs and went out to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. The foolish ones took their lambs but forgot to take any oil with them. The wise ones, however, took oil in jars along with the way. The bridegroom was a long time in coming. They became drowsy and fell asleep. And at midnight the cry rang out, Here is the bridegroom. Come, go out and meet him. One of the things that I remember about my wedding day, I remember lots of things, and I have pictures of the other things I don't remember. I remember two things in particular. One, we lit our unity candle and almost caught the uh, back a drapery on fire. Uh, we forgot to kind of pre-light the wick. It was, I mean, it was oil. I mean, we had a good flame going. You know, I would say to this day, we still have a good flame going. You know, we just learned only to set out smoke because it was when the dinner is ready and not catch things on fire. But you know, we we won. We almost burnt that because um, it was older. It was a little dustier because you can't. I mean, surely you tell You can't clean things like that very well. You know, can you, sure? You know, curtains get dust. You know, she can beat them out every year. But so, you know, no one wants to do that. Nor would we expect that, or I would, okay? Uh, you know, and secondly, I was almost late. Uh, now, I wasn't really late because I had been at the church for a really long um, what I think in hindsight, if we could have thought through some things, uh, you know, a little better, really, Alicia had it all planned, it was kind of in a certain room, you know, is that not right? Okay, you all think sometimes I've been on it, I know, I just tell the truth as it is, you know. If we would have done, we would have realized that um, probably should have had some ushers besides my best man and her brother who was the group, was the group. Because I got left all alone in the reception area, and I wasn't allowed to eat. So what did I do? 
I drink water. And I drink water. And at some point in time, my uncle, uh, he joined me for a little bit of our drinking time and uh, all water. And uh, I still drink water, coffee. You know, and then he had to go up, and so it was just me waiting and waiting and waiting. And sooner or later, guess what I had to do, Josiah? Go to the restroom. And so I did, but guess what? That was the time I was not to go to the restroom. I was to be upstairs. And I don't know what anybody else was going through, because I'm just doing my thing. But the idea of the story is told is they started to look for me and they couldn't find me. Where had I gone? You know, they had put Alicia kind of back in the room so I could get upstairs, because she thought I was upstairs. You know, waiting. And here's a story of waiting. Uh, of Jesus saying, the kingdom of heaven is going to be like ten young maidens who go out. They're told the bridegroom is to come. Now there's lots of things we don't know specifically. We know there's a wedding scene going on. We know that there's, there's traveling that happens in this. We're not told a lot and people have used and gotten pretty uh, creative on what everything means. But I think what we must remind ourselves is this the point of this story is found at the end, where Jesus says, therefore, keep watch, because you do not know the day or the hour. We are to be prepared every day as if Jesus is coming today. As one writer that I, I listened or was reading uh, this week, he, he said he had a, a motto in life. Live each day as if Jesus is coming today, but prepare as if he's coming in a hundred years. And this is to some extent the story that is going on. What, what is not at fault in this story is not that any of them fell asleep. All the young maidens fell asleep. They were all expecting the bridegroom to come, and he didn't show up on their timetable. They were probably in a house. I don't know about any of you, but if you're in a house and you're waiting for someone to show up, you can wait and you can wait and then sooner or later the couch is just a little too comfy. Or that chair is a little too comfy. Or you go, well, I'll just take a quick snooze. And then you realize a quick snooze turned into hours, maybe. And in the middle of the night, whether it was truly midnight or just a reference, in the middle of the night, someone comes shouting, saying, the groom, the bridegroom is coming. And they all wake up. Notice that. They all wake up. They all get ready to go out. And it is then that half of them realize the lamps they had or the torches they had, they lit them up again. I don't think they were all lit the whole time. I think they may have taken them out a little bit, but uh, they, they lit them back up, and, and just like a candle that's been burned almost to the end, you can light it real quick. But soon, 
the flame goes down, lower and lower. And everyone realized, five of them aren't going to have enough. The wisdom of the other five, they asked, and the, the five that had oil, they're not trying to be sassy. Uh, they're not trying to be mean-spirited. They're not trying to be sarcastic. They just said, no, you can't have ours because we already know this. We don't know exactly how much long it's going to be. You know, on my wedding day, my best man and I, we went in to grab a little bit of breakfast beforehand. We went to McDonald's. It was on our way to the, the, the church. We could have gotten stopped for any reason on the way there. I mean, it, that McDonald's was not close to our church. The church we got married in is like, if you think St. Paris is small, go try to find Fulton, Michigan on the map. You probably won't. It's even smaller than St. Paris. And you got to remember which way to turn at what time. I wasn't too familiar. I got there. But to make matters worse, we were going to her aunt's, the best man and I were going, that's where we were going to get ready. We could have forgotten anything. Socks. No toxins. We had to be prepared beforehand. I could have gotten stopped in the hotel lobby where I had friends and family there. I had teenagers there. I mean, someone could have been like Jordan, just stop and give me dirty looks. Exactly, just like that. I knew I could count on you for that look. You know, we could have done. We could have been delayed for any reason. And the, and, and the wise ones realized that, gee, the bridegroom is coming, but we don't know exactly how much longer. And so they do the reasonable. Go and find somebody. Maybe you can find some oil in the middle of the night. And so they, they, the five foolish ones, they go. They do find some. But while they were on their way to buy the oil, the bridegroom arrived finally. Those who were ready went in with them to the wedding banquet, and the door was shut. Later on, the others came and said, Lord, Lord, open the door for us. But he replied to them, truly, I tell you, I don't know you. The first stage of our preparation of Advent, the light of Christmas that shines the way, prepare the way for the Lord is this. We must know Jesus. But we also must be known by Many of us may know who Jesus is. Many in our world know who Jesus is. They can say the right things. They may know the Bible stories. They may be able to quote scripture, and you may even sit here and know, quote unquote, the Christmas story. But just having knowledge is not. This is one of the scariest verses in Scripture tied with Matthew 7, in my opinion. When Jesus will look at people who thought they knew him, and he will say, I never knew you. Are you known by Jesus? You may be sitting there. You may be in your home and wondering, how can I be known by Jesus? Well, first it starts with confessing Jesus as Lord and living as if, as if he is Lord today. It's not just speaking the right words. It's being prepared 
for today. You have to confess who he is. Have you done that? Whether you do it publicly or, or just in your heart, the Lord knows these things. The Lord will look at those things. But are you known by him? And you may ask, well, what, what, how do I know? Well, are you being faithful to his mission in life? Are you living out his word, his wonderings, his mission? He tells a story in just a couple uh, verses in our, in our chapter, Matthew 25, about feeding the poor, clothing the poor, visiting the sick. And there's, once again, two groups. And one says, but when were you that way? We just did this. You can only feed the poor. You can only clothe the clothless. You can only visit the sick when you realize that life is short and there's a king that is above all and that king is not going on. You can only do those things when you get out of your own perspective. Are you inviting others to do as uh, the writer John says in his, that, uh, that one of the first disciples said, come and see Jesus. Are you being like the angels of Advent that says, glory to God and peace on earth. Goodwill, mercy of God, demand. Are you seeking those who don't know Jesus? Are you about the king's business? See, to be prepared means we must live with eternity in mind. That life is short. But this life is not all there is to life. There is coming a day when eternity will be ushered in for all. The question is, is will you be where Jesus is? Will you have accepted Jesus' path for you, for me, together with him? Will you live with eternity in mind as if Jesus is coming today? If Jesus came back this afternoon, would he change anything you have planned to do? Or not? And if it would change something that you might do, then maybe we ought to do that other thing because Jesus might be coming back this afternoon. But if Jesus takes another 2,000 years, roughly, to come back, would that change anything you would do? Those are questions I have to ask myself each and every day. See, we live in a world that is changing. And we're all wondering, is this the end of time? Is the end near? And I'll say it the way I've always said, yes. But so has it been for the last 1,900 years. The, the disciples who heard this parable face to face with the Lord, they didn't think they were going to have to wait until they died to be ushered into eternity. They thought he was coming back real, real, real soon. No wonder I think maybe Paul had a sense of urgency about what he was doing. He wasn't going to wait because he thought maybe Jesus was coming back that day. 
with it. But see, sometimes when we are looking for something and it's not coming, you know what comes out of that? Anxiety. And we worry, and we worry, and we work ourselves up. I, I know how to do this real well. I anticipate things. And sometimes I anticipate well, and sometimes I anticipate and I become an anxious wreck. That's, I won't make you raise your hand, but I bet I'm not alone. And sometimes when I'm anxiously about what is going to happen, I create my own anxiety again. Because I create something. If I walk across the, the I almost said parking lot, well, the driveway is a parking lot, you know, um, not the traditional. If I walk across the driveway and I anticipate as soon as I walk home that Alicia's going to be fighting with me, she doesn't, okay? But if I, don't let people know what you're really thinking over there. You know, if I anticipate we're going to have a little bit of a struggle, guess what? Sometimes I create it. Because I anticipate but if I think she got, if I think when we come home, it's gonna be a beautiful time. She's just gonna be pleasant to be around. Why did you laugh? <laughs> I wasn't going that far. You know. But if I think she's gonna have to be pleasant, don't go back and down here in the front peanut gallery right here. You know. But I think she's gonna be pleasant around. She's gonna be excited to see me.
We aren't the originator of hope, the originator of peace. But we know the hope of all nations and the prince of peace. And so we take peace and hope out. Or we can say, we join with the angels. Glory to God in the highest and on earth. Peace will blow to man or unto this day for the sake Christ the Lord. So let us wait expectantly. Be prepared that he, the bridegroom, Jesus Christ himself, may be coming back today. And we are to be faithful to his mission today. So let us wait expectantly. Serving one another, loving one another. But then may we also invite others to the peace. Jesus with many stories about the feast. In Revelation, there is the what is known as the wedding supper of the Lamb. Which may be, I think there's some correlations in this story of Matthew 25, 1 13, and that. Where we will be ushered with Jesus, the bridegroom, the groom, where we as the church globally, all of us, are the bride of Christ. You know, I, I told you I remember some things about my wedding. I can tell you with certainty the moment of because she had to walk upstairs and down the channel. I can tell you with certainty the moment I saw her come up this way. In fact, only a few other people saw it because, you know, I've never been at a wedding and I try to do this. I try to watch the groom. You know, we all know what the bride's gonna do, you know. She's going to come in, she's going to be beautiful, she's going to be gorgeous. I want to know what the groom does. And I had a couple people watching me, unbeknownst to me. And see, in that church, there wasn't a center aisle. She came as I looked out to my left, up and down. And everyone rose, and you know what that meant? I couldn't see her. You know what I did? I made sure I saw her. I got up on my and I don't know if it was true, I'd like to say it was true, but it probably was on me. I looked and I said, she's mine. I'm hers. When Jesus comes back, he's going to say, the church, you're mine. And we're going to say, and you are mine. So let us invite others to that feast so when Jesus sees them, they go, you are mine and I am yours. And we all go, glory, glory, hallelujah. And that's what we celebrate here at this table. This is a proclamation not just of the past, though it is. Jesus instituted this time. But it's also kind of the precursor, the appetizer to the future feast of Jesus. Where, where the writer, I don't think David knew exactly, and I don't think it was meant to be a precursor, but what he said in Psalm 23 and you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. We can look at this communion time, the Lord's table, the Lord's supper, the Eucharist. We pick your word, your phrase. We can realize that he is preparing a table and there's going to come a time when we get to partake of that glory. But I, and I, let me ask you, are you ready? Are you prepared? Life is short. Do you know Jesus? Have you confessed Jesus as Lord and are you willing to 
out. And if you can say yes to that, then Jesus loves you. If you don't, I want to tell you, Jesus may come back today. I want you to be where the feast is going to take place. I don't want you to be outside. And there may be lots of things you don't understand. There's lots of things about, about Jesus and about Scripture, about what he says that I don't get. But I'm going to trust that when he says, I'm here, I'm going to do it. I'm not going to get it all right. But as in one of the other stories that he tells here, his grace, his unfailing love, will cover my mistakes. Because when we come to know Jesus, we are to be found in him. Not about me. It's about him. And so as we come to this time at this table, do you know Jesus? If you do, this table is for you. You know, if you're watching this online and you you know Jesus is Lord, that you get your own cracker, bread, crouton. I'm less worried about what it is. And you get your juice or water or whatever you want. I'm less concerned, but, but I want you to be 